Welcome to Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom, the good news, the news that you won't hear anywhere else in the media. And I'm your host, Brian Sussman. Thanks for joining me on this news for the second full week of March 2019. All of these stories, by the way, can be found at briansussman.com on my blog. By the way, later in this Hidden Headlines podcast, you're going to be hearing from Dr. Kevin Lehman. Dr. Kevin Lehman is a gentleman that I've had on my radio show on KSFO many times. But just like with the Hidden Headlines broadcast, I talk about stuff on this podcast that I wouldn't necessarily talk about on my radio show on KSFO. One, it's a morning radio show. Two, it's a more secular audience. And uh, I'm mindful of that. I really want to make sure that whatever we present for that audience is just right for that audience. But the Hidden Headlines audience is a little different. Again, you know, it's the three pillars of faith, family, and freedom. So we talk a lot about the faith on Hidden Headlines. Uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman is a Christian guy, and he is a, a brilliant psychologist, and he specializes in the family. And if you were to drill down in his life, uh, he would specialize in the family via a spiritual component that he doesn't always talk about. So last week, for those of you who joined me for the podcast, he was my guest, and I told you, okay, we're going to save something for next week, which would be this week. We're going to give you Dr. Kevin Lehman's testimony, if you will, his journey from being basically, if I could just say so, kind of, kind of a punk, sort of a smart-ass kid, to becoming the doctor that he is today. It's a brilliant story. Again, that'll be on the back end of this podcast. Also, on the front end of this podcast, I do want to tell you about my other podcast. It's called Another Chance. You can hear it at briansussman.com or iTunes, Google Play, etc. On the current episode of Another Chance, you're going to meet my longtime friend, Dr. Samuel Huddleston. There are a lot of people in the Bay Area who know who this guy is. Um because he was a pastor in the Bay Area for many, many years. He is now second in charge of a Christian denomination called the Assemblies of God in Sacramento. So he runs the Northern California and Nevada divisions for the Assemblies of God. He's actually second in command there. But also in terms of that denomination, which is a global denomination, he's one of 21 people who, you know, leads the denomination. So Dr. Sam is, he's, he's a big deal. I've known Sam Huddleston since, gosh, I was in my early 20s when I first met him. He had just gotten out of prison. He was convicted as a 17-year-old of second-degree manslaughter. And his story is gritty. The first time I saw this guy, I was, my, my, my future father-in-law said, you need to meet uh, this, this guy who's working for me right now, Sam. So I go in to meet Sam, and he's, he's an intimidating-looking guy. I mean, he's just... He's scary looking until he smiled. And once he smiled, oh my gosh, it's like, okay, this, this guy's, he's, you can tell, you know, when somebody smiles, you can kind of tell what they're all about. And it was, it was not a phony baloney smile. It was a deep, rich, loving, genuine smile. And we sat down and we talked and we've been best, well, we've been very good friends ever since. I wish he was my best friend. I think everybody who meets him wishes he was their best friend. But uh, I, I like the guy so much, I named my oldest son after him, Sam. Sam's story is wild. Uh, he 
ends up coming to know Jesus while behind bars, gets out of prison. And from then on, it was just proving to everybody that his life was changed. That's his, his whole life has been dedicated to proving that his life has been changed. So Sam ends up putting together and working for uh, this, this ministry, if you will, that would match prisoners with guys on the outside as, as mentors and then also as disciples and as tools so that when they graduated, so to speak, from prison, they would have a job. It's a very successful program. Back in the 80s, he was actually honored by President Ronald Reagan for the work he was doing. So here's a young black guy with President Reagan, formerly once convicted of manslaughter and now helping prisoners get reformed. Uh, Sam spends a lot of time in the prisons to this day and something he's known for, you know, the prisons are the most, it's the most segregated environment you could ever imagine. It's the blacks are over here and the browns are over there and the whites are over there and nobody mixes, nobody mixes. But when Sam goes to the prisons, he always makes sure that he's able to reconcile the races. So for example, if there are a bunch of Christian guys, his point is, Hey, you guys are all Christians. Okay, come on together. We, we can talk to each other. We can love each other. And we're going to do it in front of everybody, despite what they might think. So he'll, he'll, he'll leave a prison, but not until he takes a picture with all these Christian prisoners behind him, the blacks, the whites, the browns, all intermixed, all hugging each other while they take a picture. Now, to you, that might sound like, what's the big deal? In a prison, that's a huge deal. Sam Huddleston is the only guy that can get away with that. And that's what he's known for. Anyway, why am I doing an Another Chance podcast on him? Besides the fact that his life story is just incredible, uh, he was recently pardoned by the state of California for his crime. There's another pastor who was, well, there are a bunch of pastors at this get-together we had a couple weeks ago for Sam celebrating this pardoning. And as one of the pastors, Don Green, from the San Francisco Christian Center said, Donald Green said, well, looks like Jerry Brown got this one right. Jerry Brown finally did what God did many, many years ago. He pardoned Sam Huddleston, and we all get a big laugh out of that. So please, listen, I'm just telling you, if you're one of those people who uh, sheds a tear easily, you're probably going to shed a few tears when you listen to this podcast. Again, it's the Another Chance podcast featuring my good friend Sam Huddleston. So let's get into the hidden headlines, because there are many that, again, you're not going to hear anywhere else, and that's what I effort to do during these weekly podcasts. Now, a lot of people listen to this podcast, which is recorded every Thursday. A lot of people listen to it over the weekend. And that's always my intention. When you have some downtime, you can listen to this podcast. This took place on Friday. So here I am recording this on Thursday. This takes place tomorrow. If you're listening Saturday, Sunday, Monday, whatever, this took place on Friday. Thousands of students across America walked out of the classrooms in the name of human-caused global warming. It's called the U.S. Youth Climate Strike. It's actually part of a global student movement inspired by socialist radicals in Europe. Now, I will just say this to you. As a guy who used to interpret weather maps for a living back when I was a TV weather guy, allow me to assure you there is no impending climate emergency. There isn't. Um, what should be treated as an emergency is the green brainwashing of the millennial generation because they've sucked up Al Gore's big bag of hot air and they've held their collective breath and now they're turning red. And when I say red, I mean red is in Marxism and socialism 
and communism. See, I wrote the book, Climate Gate, A Veteran Meteorologist Exposes the Global Warming Scam, and I wrote the other book, Eco-Tyranny, How the Left's Green Agenda Will Dismantle America. I wrote those. It wasn't so much to convince you that there is no such thing as global warming. It was to convince you that this movement has been harnessed by communists and socialists. And they're using this as a tool to do what communists and socialists have always done, smash capitalism. But before they smash capitalism, they want to liquidate Christianity. That was the original goal of Karl Marx. He wanted to liquidate Christianity. They're atheists. They don't want anybody to believe this stuff. I mean, look at China to this day. You know, there's a big story in the news this week about China. There are all these internment camps for Muslims in China. As soon as there's a little ups, uh, you know, as soon as Islam pops its head in China, man, they round them up and, and intern them. So suddenly that becomes a big international story to which I'm thinking, are you kidding me? There are probably millions of people in gulags throughout China right now who are Christian. So communism and religion, they don't mix. Because that person who is a God believer, and I don't care what the God is, they're going to put that ahead of the, the state party. And so this is why communism does not do well with religion of any kind, whether it's the authentic religion, the kind that I believe in, or the non-authentic. I'm just telling you, it does not. So that's why I wrote the books, Climate Gate and Eco-Tyranny. But let me just walk you through this really quick and then we'll move on again. This story's up at briansussman.com. In fact, it was originally published at WorldNet Daily this week. I gave it to him as exclusive. If you look at Karl Marx, Karl Marx in his book, Das Kapital, it was a book against capitalism. He says, uh, the more a country starts its development on the foundation of modern industry, like the United States, the more rapid is this process of destruction. What kind of destruction is he talking about? Not just capital destruction. He's talking about the destruction of the environment. So he was using the environment as a tool to scare people into believing that capitalism is evil. So you've got Karl Marx. Then you've got a direct disciple of Karl Marx, a guy named Sir Edwin Ray Lancaster. He was a zoologist at University College in London, and noted, by the way, as the greatest Darwinist of his generation. So they shared a lot in common. They were both atheists, they were both socialists, and uh, they were best friends. Lancaster was the most popular eco-thinker of his time. Again, direct disciple of Karl Marx. He wrote a book called Nature and Man in 1905, where he described humans as the insurgent son of nature. So in other words, humans are evil. Nature comes before humans. Humans are evil. They destroy nature. Humans are evil. Therefore, they need to be controlled with heavy-handed rules and regulations. So that's Lancaster. Lancaster had a star pupil called Arthur Tainsley. Tainsley was the guy who coined the term, are you ready for this? Ecosystem. Ecosystem. And again, fellow Darwinist, materialist, in other words, atheist, and a socialist. He wrote a book called Ecology, where he said, quote, he talked about, quote, the destructive human activities of the modern world. He said, ecology must be applied to conditions brought about by human activity. So there's Marx, there's Lancaster, 
There's Tainsley. Tainsley in the 40s had a young protege named Charles Elton who worked with him to further develop the ecosystem concept. And he had a fiery writing style. I mean, just he would make, you know, AOC and Bernie look tame by comparison. But in 1958, he was condemning the pesticide industry. He said this astonishing reign of death upon so much of the earth's surface is unnecessary and threatens the very delicately organized interlocking system of the populations. In other words, capitalism is bad. Humanity is evil at large and needs to be controlled. These were all Karl Marx's guys. So folks, don't buy it for a moment. This is not about global warming. This is about instituting socialism, destroying capitalism, and liquidating Christianity from the planet. That's always been the playbook of the socialist and the Marxist. So we move on from that to this on Hidden Headlines. It's amazing to me that somehow, you know, when you think of our inalienable rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Um, these are rights that have been given to us by God. Life, the right to life. And I'm going to talk about the right to life in just a moment. Right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness, as our founders described it, has a lot to do with a lot of other things like the ownership of property, including the property between your ears. So those are your, those are your fundamental God-given rights. Somehow... The left has made many believe that healthcare is somehow a right. Like God gave us the right to healthcare. Well, if it is that kind of a right, if it's an inalienable right, that <laughs> I'm just wondering how are they going to do this. It better be the absolute best healthcare possible. So, isn't it amazing? The last time the Democrats had control of the House of Representatives, they said we're going to fix the healthcare system. We're going to give you Obamacare. Okay, and that was supposed to be the cure-all. Well, now they have the House of Representatives again, and they're saying, we're going to fix the health care system. We're going to give you Medicare for all. I'm thinking, wait, I thought you just fixed the health care system a bunch of years ago. Not, not too many years ago. Not, not just a few years ago you did that when Obama was president. So now they're at it again. So I'm thinking, okay, if you're going to fix it, then I guess everything's going to be free, and it's going to be the creme de la creme, right? I mean, you're just going to take it wrong, wrong. Where are they going to pay for this? Come on, folks. When you look at the details, and I have, of this overhaul of the healthcare system that they're proposing, um, the details include, they're not telling you about this, the details include a 4% surtax on all individuals. So your paycheck's going to be hit another 4%. There's going to be a 7.5% on the employer payroll tax paid by businesses. So now business, you're going to cost a business more to employ, so that means they're not going to give you the raise. That's 7.5%. That's going to be a 7.5% pay cut for you. If you're a business person, you understand what I'm saying. And then a 4% uh, surtax on your, on your wages. Plus, Bernie Sanders wants to propose a new top rate of 52% on individual and capital gains income. They want to increase the death tax. And they want a wealth tax on financial transactions, which means every time you do perhaps a trade with your stocks 
or maybe you know it's time to cash out the 401k. There's going to be a transaction charge for that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They would also, they're not telling you about this, they're going to get rid of the health savings accounts, which I think are brilliant and a great savings tool. It's used by 25 million Americans. And it's a great tax advantage of wealth. So those are some of the things that they're talking about. Those are the things I'm talking about in Hidden Headlines because it seems like nobody else is. Now, we were just talking about the right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. There are some stories, again, these are things I don't talk about in my morning radio show because it's not, it's not morning radio show material. I want people to wake up with a smile on their face and get off to work. And, and I also realize it's, it's more of a secular audience, whereas the hidden headline audience, faith, family, freedom. I always like to preface these stories about abortion by saying, if indeed you're a person who is, if you're a woman who's had an abortion, or if you're a guy who was involved in making the decision for an abortion, remember that there is a God in heaven who forgives you for that. He will give you another chance. So maybe you've had your, your moment where you realize, okay, that was wrong. Okay, good. Move on. It was wrong. You've repented. Now we can move on and talk about this. These are three unbelievable stories that nobody's talking about. First of all, there's an Alabama man suing a women's center. It's called the Women's Center for Reproductive Alternatives. Mm-hmm. And their, their, their alternative is, there's only one alternative for them. It's called abortion. So they provided an abortion to a woman who, said, who he says was pregnant with his baby. So the attorney for this guy... His name is Ryan Majors. Um, the attorney said Majors did not want the woman to have an abortion. And he was seeking legal counsel at the time that this woman, his girlfriend, went to this clinic and had an abortion. So it's interesting because this court case has decided, and I'll just get right to cut right to the chase on this. The court decision decided, determined, the first time in United States history that an aborted fetus is recognized to have legal rights. So in other words, this child in the womb, this court decided had legal rights, which were obviously violated and there was an abortion. But this is, a, this is one case that is a huge step in the right direction for those of us who are concerned with life. Again, court decides unborn baby has legal rights. That's one story. Now, the next story has to do with a federal court upholding an Ohio law which bars state, state agencies from funding abortion organizations. This happened on Tuesday. It's a ruling that abortion providers don't have a constitutional right to perform an abortion. So think about this. First of all, the, a court decides that an unborn baby has legal rights. Now, the court has made another decision saying abortion providers don't have a constitutional right to perform abortions. So this is not moving in the right direction for, example, Planned Parenthood. Now, there's a third part to this. This is a gigantic story that has been so underreported. And I can just, I, I, can, he, I can hear the barbarian wails of displeasure emanating from the pro-abortion industry's leadership. Because their financial coffers just took it in the shorts big time to the tune of $60 million. This was a strategic move by the Trump administration. 
major victory for life, major victory for those of us who have been fighting for life for all these years. Uh, the Department of Health and Human Services issued a final rule revising the Title X Family Planning Program. The ruling ensures that Title X program recipients are in full compliance with the law, particularly the statutory prohibition on funding to programs where abortion services are performed or recommended as a form of family planning like Planned Parenthood. So cut to the chase. Thank you. The rule would cut approximately $60 million of Planned Parenthood's taxpayer funding. These dollars would instead be awarded to... Now, here's what they're doing. The $60 million, which would have gone to Planned Parenthood, will instead be awarded to applicants that do not perform or refer for abortion as a method of family planning. So organizations that I've been familiar with and and been um, associated with for years, uh, formerly known as like crisis pregnancy centers. Now they usually go by a different name. These organizations are going to have a pool of federal funds available to do what they do, and that is provide excellent counseling and, if I may add, real women's health solutions. This is a big one. And again, totally, totally underreported by the lamestream media. Weird story that I came across today. And again, I'm recording this on Thursday. You may be listening to it Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But uh, I've got this linked up at briansussman.com. And before we, I, I will get, I will get preachy for just a moment. Cause I think you have to, whenever this story, these stories come up, uh, before we dive into this ball of confusion, let's just begin with something really basic. Just so people don't think I'm a hater. Uh, why did God create two distinct gender de- genders? You know, we have male and we have female. Okay. Let's, let's go back to the book of Genesis. First book in the Bible. Uh, Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And God saw everything he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So when you, when you look at this and break it down, it's a passage, of course, you're familiar with. Maybe you haven't studied the passage, but you're familiar with it. Well, I have studied this. God honors humanity by creating us in his own image and likeness male and female. Now, that's in the first chapter of the book of Genesis, first book of the Torah, first book of the Bible, if you will. The story is expanded in the second chapter as God forms the man from the dust of the earth and then breathes life into him. Then he fashions woman from the man's side or heart, if you will. And in doing this, he separates humans into two unique sexes, male and female. Brilliant. Unique, distinct, and both reflect the image and likeness of God. Now, let me tell you something about the word sex, because that's been totally redefined. Sex comes from a Latin word, which means to divide or to separate. So that illustrates that humanity 
has been separated into two distinct groups, male and female. So not only does Moses, Moses wrote the book of Genesis, write about this, but, okay, let's, let's fast forward. Jesus talked about it. The Apostle Paul also made the point about male and female being created as, as uh, to, to represent the likeness and image of God and as a foundational truth. So I just find it amazing, you know, God did this purposefully, and there's so much more in the Bible. I mean, my gosh, when you finally get to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, it's all about this wonderful marriage between a husband and a wife. And in this particular case, the husband is, is Jesus, and, and his wife, his, his, his bride-to-be, I should say, is, are all the believers, the quote-unquote church, if you want to use that word. Um, so it's, it's just a beautiful relationship that is found woven throughout the entire Bible. And God doesn't make mistakes. When a man or a woman identifies as the opposite sex, folks, I, I think if I may just go there, there's a serious problem here. There's some serious emotional trauma that has occurred. Uh, I know this from having spoken to a multitude of therapists over the years. Generally, it involves, well, let me just pull back. Often it involves sexual abuse or a broken family, but there's something that took place emotionally and mentally that caused somebody to question their own sexuality. So for those in that situation, I pray for love and I pray for professional therapy. Of course, in California, such therapy has been outlawed, but enough preaching. Here's the story. Here's the story. We've actually got an online store, Transware, which is a fan favorite for those in search of fake child body parts for little kids. We're talking kids like five years old. Uh, they're you know, prosthesis for little kids. So if the girl thinks she's a boy, well, now there's just a little product that the child can wear to um, give them, quote, quote, unquote, a boy bump. A boy bump. So when the child's playing in the playground and the child's playing wherever the child plays, um, they will appear as if they are a boy. These products are out there. You can even find this stuff on YouTube. So parents who believe their children to be male to female transgender have the opposite problem because, you know, we have now you're male to female, so you don't want that little boy bump, as they're calling it. So there are other products to help the male children, what they call tuck, to appear more female. Um, in fact, there are actually some products called Tuck Buddies or Leo Lines, which sell handmade feminine-looking underwear with a little extra lining to help conceal the bulge of the male anatomy. Leo Lines also often offers a chest binder meant to flatten the chest of girls, and they have these both in teen and adult sizes. Man, if you're raising kids these days, you know, I almost just want to say good luck. This has just got to be more challenging than ever. It's, 
Oh, boy. So these are some of the things we're talking about at BrianSussman.com. These are the things we're talking about on Hidden Headlines. Now, I want to transition from this to an interview that we had last week on Hidden Headlines. This was with my good friend, Dr. Kevin Lehman. Dr. Kevin Lehman is just, he's a foremost psychologist. I first discovered this guy on Oprah's television show. This is, I mean, gosh, back in the maybe 80s, early 90s. And it was interesting because he had this book out called The Birth Order Book. And there were all these people in the audience that he brought on stage, probably like six people on stage. And he just asked them some quick questions, observed them a little bit, and then said, oh, okay, okay, I got this figured out. So you're firstborn, you're a firstborn girl, uh, you're the baby in the family, you're the middle child, let me see, you're the baby in the family, but there's about 10 years difference between you and your next sibling. And he went around the room and just knocked out of the park, he figured out everybody. And I was just taken by this guy back then, and he's hilarious. And then he has all these books, you know, have a new kid by Friday, have a new marriage by Friday, have a new husband by Friday. Just a lot of great books on parenting. And when my wife and I were raising our four kids, we would utilize his books and Dr. James Dobson's books. And we had them all over the house. They were quick reference guides for this, that, and the other. Anyway, he's become a friend over the years. And I have him on my talk show on KSFO on a regular basis. But I had him on Hidden Headlines last week to talk about the difference between nurture and nature because the liberals will tell you, nature is what's in your DNA. You can't change that. And then other people like us would say, well, you know, there is such a thing as nurture and love, and proper parenting, and guidance, and, and you can take that rough DNA and shape it. Of course, the liberals don't want to hear that because they'd rather have government control your DNA. So Kevin and I were talking about that in last week's Hidden Headlines. But then I just started asking Dr. Kevin Lehman about, you know, his own life. I said, how did you, how did you get to be the guy you are? What's the backstory there? And uh, he, was, he was a punk when he was a youngster. And so he started telling me the whole story of how he came to faith in, in the Lord Jesus. And it's a great story. And I'm going to share that with you right now on Hidden Headlines. I grew up uh, in a family where my mom was a professed Christian. My dad was a, a Roman Catholic who decided that uh, all they wanted from him was money, so he left the church. He had no use for the church. Uh, by the way, he never made more than $12,000 in a given year, but his perception was all they wanted was his money. Um, and I was the youngest of three children, and my mother, I mean, she was a saint. She really was. Uh, to put up with my antics as the youngest in the family. And so I got dragged to church. We were poor, didn't have a car when I was little, so we hitched rides with other families or sometimes rode a bus to church, which was conveniently located about 10 miles from our home. And um, so I heard all the message of Christianity. Mm -hmm. I heard I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I heard all that. But my problem was, I had no use for that. I mean, that was boring. And as I grew older, um, I became more determined that I didn't want any part of faith in my life. Uh, I told you, I, I got in college on probation, and proof of the living God, in retrospect, I pulled a C-minus average. <laughs> 
my freshman year, went back to play baseball. I was a ball player. And to be eligible, you had to be there for the winter quarter. So I went back for the winter quarter so I'd be eligible for the spring quarter. And during that semester, I, I stole the conscience fund. I wish I had time to tell you this story, but it was simply a college prank. <laughs> and uh, the dorm at, was the dorm ice cream machine was giving away freebies. And this was in Chicago. We went and cleaned it out, and we put the ice cream bars outside of our uh, dorm room on the ledge. Got in Chicago. It's the middle of winter. They stayed frozen. And uh, the dorm head rat, dorm rat, who was a pastor, a pastor in training. He was in seminary. He wrote this big note that said, for those of you who participated in the illegal ice cream social the other evening, the dorm lost X amount of dollars. So they had a conscience fund. <laughs> and back in those days, you got to understand, ice cream cone was a dime. You know, ice cream sandwich was a dime. And so I came in one night with my roommate, Beagle, and Gus, the watchman, had fallen asleep at the switchboard. I looked at him, I said, wouldn't it be funny if we stole the conscience fund? <laughs> I still think it's funny. And so I stole the conscience fund and had enough money in that conscience fund to buy my wings. And we bought a couple large pieces. And, of course, the word got around that Lehman stole the conscience fund. Well, it got to be to the dean of students' ears, and uh, he calls me in. Lehman, what do you know about this? And, of course, I lied through my teeth. I said, I don't know anything about it, Dean. The next thing I know, he's thrown me out of school. <laughs> now, here's the irony of the story, and I'm still in trying to explain to you the story of the transformation of my life. Ten years later, after I got thrown out by this dean, I was a dean of students at the University of Arizona. <laughs> so for those of you who are listening and tracking this story, something happened between that moment <laughs> and becoming a dean of students, because I got thrown out of college, went to Tucson, Arizona, where I still live, where my parents had moved. Again, they were people of very meager means. And I got a job at the hospital where my mother was a nurse. I got a job as a janitor. I was a janitor for three and a half years, Brian. Wow. But my, my life changed one day when I was holding a broom in the main building of the hospital. And this five foot nine inch beauty, and I mean beauty, my wife is a gorgeous woman, walks by in this little yellow uni with her little white sneakers. And being a man, I mean, I was attracted like a, a fox to a chicken with big feathers. <laughs> and I watched her walking down, and I, down the hallway. I said, whoa, where did she come from? Well, I found out what unit she worked on I paid another janitor $5 to introduce me to her. And as God would have it, and that's what I want people to understand, as God would have it, and I figured out God had his hand on me, Brian, long before I knew who he was. But as God would have it, that same day, my wife walks into the men's restroom where I'm mopping down the floor. And she's helping some little old guy go potty. And I thought to myself, oh, it's her, it's her, say something stupid. And I was always good, Brian, at saying stupid things. I looked at her, I said, uh, uh, would you like to go to the World's Fair with me? Well, 
Brian, this is back in 1964. This is Tucson, Arizona. The World's Fair was in New York City. And I'm asking her, first thing I say to her, would you like to go to World's Fair with me? Well, she looked at me and she says, well, I don't know. And, and, and I said, well, how about lunch then? <laughs> and I took her to a McDonald's. You can't make up a story like this. And I was so po. Um, we ordered one cheeseburger, 20 cents, a 10-cent Coke, split it. Total cost of the meal, 32 cents. It was the best investment I ever made in my life, Brian. And I fell like a ton of bricks. And this woman exuded something. And I wasn't sure what it was, but it was something I wanted more of. And so we started to date. Now, again, I was a punk. I smoked my cigarettes. I had the greasy hair going on. I had the belt on the side. Sort of a greasy-looking little 19-year-old punk. And we date for three and a half months, and she pops the question. And she says, would you like to go to church with me? And I remember thinking, holy, uh, well, for your podcast, holy cow, uh, she's one of them. <laughs> and so what do you say to this chick you're falling in love with, gentlemen? I'll tell you what I said. I, I lied through my teeth. I said, yeah, sure. I was thinking about going to church. <laughs> I mean, I can't even say that with a straight face. So I show up at her church, okay? And I remember thinking, no chick is worth this. This is brutal. And then she wants me to come back that night. That night? I was already there in the morning. I didn't do it right, or what's the problem, lady? So again, I acquiesce, and I go to church that night. Well, that night, something supernatural happened, because I walked out of that church a new person. Mm. And I don't know how to explain it to you, because I remember the beads of sweat on my forehead, feeling very uncomfortable, and this guy was preaching the fact that that there's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. And uh, you talk about being under conviction of the Lord's Holy Spirit. I mean, that was me. And everything that happened, I know this doesn't make sense when you first hear it. Everything that happened, I really didn't want to have happened. But it happened. Hmm. And I became new. God gave me motivation. I went back to school, got on a dean's list. In fact, a, a funny little... A sidebar to this story, uh, the next semester I got a letter to come see the dean. Well, last time I saw a dean, he threw me out of college. So I walk in this building on the University of Arizona campus to this dean's office who'd sent me the letter, and there was a lady there at the desk. I said, lady, I didn't do nothing wrong. <laughs> and she looked at me, she said, what's your name, young man? I said, my name's Kevin Lehman. She said, oh, you've won university scholarship honors. Wow. And I said, say what? Huh. Run that by me again, lady. And literally, they paid for my education from that day forward all the way through my doctorate degree. So the question is, for people who are listening, is God who he says he is? Is he able to change lives instantly? He is. I'm a testimony of that one. That is a great story. My gosh, and the total life turnaround. Yeah, 180. And again, 10 years later, I was a dean of students. So the fun part for me was when some kid came in who just happened to take a fifth of whiskey and knock it over some kid's head at a football game, and he's lying through his teeth to me, I'm thinking to myself and laughing inside, hey, kid, 
if you only knew who you were talking to, you'd never go there. <laughs> oh, yeah, you'd be a tough one to fool. You had oh, yeah, all the street exactly. smarts. All the street smarts. Yeah. Oh, that's a great story, Kevin. I appreciate you for sharing that. I'm going <clears> to <throat> make that something special. That is really great. Have you, in, in your writings, have you ever written about your actual conversion? Yes, uh, not in, uh, you know, I'm one of those guys that's a, and this is a personal con- a personal conviction of mine. I always wanted to write a book called Christians of Drew G every time. Because every time I got the green weenie in life, it wasn't from some agnostic or some uh, Satan lover, or it was some self-professed professed righteouser than thou uh, Christian. And so I've always been very careful. I want to speak the truth to people, and I want to do it in such a way as that they'll be drawn in and learn more. Mm-hmm. I've always been offended by people who uh, beat me over the head with anything. In fact, I've made the comment, if my wife uh, when I first dated her, and by the way, she was a Baptist, and I'm telling you, she had more rules than she needed. Let's let it go with that. Uh, if she would have said to me, um, before I date you, I have to share with you a four spiritual laws, I wouldn't be talking to my friend Brian Sussman today. Uh, I would have been so turned off, I would have run. And she did something wonderful. She just accepted me as I was. She later told me, kissing me, was like kissing an ashtray, and uh, she just loved me. And wouldn't the world be great if us Christians could just love people and not be so hypercritical and that we sometimes are? And so I've always tried to be appealing to the heathens. I sort of like heathens in a lot of ways, <laughs> more than some of the Christians I know. Well, and think about this. If you had, if you were Christian author, Kevin Lehman, and all of your books were Christian books, uh, think of all the people you wouldn't be able to reach. Well, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I, I really try to make my books palatable. If you're a believer and you read my books, you'll figure I don't it out. you'll have much uh, doubt in your mind of where I am. Yeah, you'll figure God. it out really fast. But that was by design, and it's just who I am. Am mm-hmm. I saying that Christian's authors ought to be like that? No, there's a lot of Christian authors. I mean, I have friends like Josh McDowell, mm-hmm. and, um, I mean, Jim Dobson and I have been friends for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody's different. Sure. And we don't have to be the same. And I think what happens is the world is, is good at just, you know, putting people in little boxes. And uh, I'm sort of hard to put in a box because I'm a rebellious sucker in many ways. <laughs> you know, when someone takes the Lord's name in vain, it drives me nuts. But if we're somewhere and somebody does that and takes the Lord's name in vain, I'll just say something like, wow, does he go to your church too? <laughs> I mean, I try to use humor. I mean, you know me well enough to know that humor is sort of my trademark. Yeah. And, you know, going on The View with those ladies... Uh, talking about sex, I wrote a book called Sheet Music, which is probably my all-time best book for humankind because it talks about sex. It's the most widely sold book written from a Christian perspective. But it's not overtly too Christian, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But going on The View and talking on that topic to those ladies, 
you better have some armor to put on you. And most Christians know what that armor is. That's the book of Ephesians Lehman's talking about. Well, the armor I put on is humor. And it keeps the wolves at bay and gives you an opportunity to say what has to be said. So if, if in conversation on The View they talk about, well, the, these, my partner and I, I'll just turn that around and say, well, it's really important that a husband and a wife blank. Mm-hmm. So, again, trying to not be offensive. So many Christians just make fools of themselves, in my biased opinion. And let me ask you a question. Do you gravitate toward people you're uncomfortable with? No. no. We, we avoid them. No, see, you've got to... I think we all got to lighten up on that. I mean, we become way, way, way too judgmental and harsh. And I realize we all have strong feelings. You have strong feelings politically. So do I. Mm-hmm. These guys drive me nuts. I'd like to just punch them out <laughs> in a Christian-loving way. You know what I mean? And there is my interview with Dr. Kevin Lehman. By the way, he's online, birtorderguy.com or drlehman.com, D-R-L-E-M-A-N. I recommend all of his books. They're the best when it comes to family, marriage, relationships. Again, that's Dr. Kevin Lehman. And I am Brian Sussman. You can follow me on Twitter, Brian underscore Sussman. Facebook, Brian Sussman Show, and Instagram, where I basically prove that, yes, there was a day in which I was the class clown. That's Brian Sussman Show over at Instagram. Hidden headlines for the second full week of March. Thanks for listening. Please share. We'll be back next week.